That that's and then then the next day was like all the the players all five did it within a week basically and that and and the weird thing that threw me off was the Dylan Dubé thing with the mental health thing what bullshit what fucking bullshit from Calgary yeah I mean maybe he's experiencing mental health issues because of this matter but like you know I mean to go there but to use that as your phrase for code for turning yourself into the police for a sexual assault investigation is uh not great yeah 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 it's ridiculous (laughs) but I don't know yeah yes absolutely I'm I'm surprised that this is even moving forward I thought you know after our last conversation and given the timetable here that the criminal matter was just gonna stay shut it came out of nowhere like I mean this doesn't do anything. I mean, you look at the victim stuff, like, look, the civil stuff has already taken place. There's, um, I don't know if any money has been exchanged yet, but that's, you know, that's going to happen. You know, what is the incentive from the victim to proceed here? And that's, you know, just as a matter of justice, I guess, like a matter of saying, you know what, I'm not going to sit by and let this go untouched and unseen. And that's the motivation on this end. There's no money involved. This is just pure, you know what? Fuck you. I'm seeking justice. And that's it. I thought for sure if this would happen, it would happen during the summer, like third week of July, once free agency is yeah. over. When, yeah, because they control everything. When they nobody like cares it. about it and you can make it through and not happen. It happened in the middle of the season, a week before the All-Star game. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there something, one of the articles that there, that this, and I could be making this up because I've read a couple things on this recently. Wasn't there like a delay or something? Or somebody said that this was supposed to happen earlier in the season, but which is also isn't a great time anyway. I feel like I but did there see was that some delays yeah. associated with it. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're talking about, you know, so many different players involved and um, so many different entities that, you know, like you can't, I guess there's never really a good time. And, you, and, you know, as much as they want to kind of frame this and structure it as they want to perhaps, like they just couldn't sit on something any longer, or if they did that something else would break, some other news would break. And it just, yeah, I don't know. Well, again, it it was all the London police. They don't Mm -hmm. have to tell the NHL anything. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have to tell the flyers anything. This is not them charging, you know, a hockey team. This is them Mm -hmm. going after an individual. It's just like, if I, you know, stole something or whatever, robbed a bank, my employer doesn't have to know about it. Now, in my particular case, I do have to do a, a criminal reference check every every year. Hey, so too. they'd eventually find out about it. <laughs> but certainly the police don't have to call and say, hey, you know what your employee, uh, Manny Benavidez, did? They, they won't know mm-hmm. unless uh, unless that's something that's beyond yeah. their purview. Yeah. And I'm sure you probably got into this, Dan, already. Um, but like 
and we didn't really do it on the show, but I'm sure there's plenty of time for this. Like the Flyers just, you know, like, taking back to the Flyers for a second, they're in a in a very good position here, I think, from a cap perspective, given that this is the last year of Hart's contract. And I guess they would still maintain his rights into the summer. Not that that, you know, makes a difference, I guess. But um, it's not like they're on the hook for, OK, we signed this guy for eight more years at eight and a half shit. You know, what do we do from a cap perspective until we're able to clear the contract? I think that they're that's not going to be a problem for them. Yeah. And, you know, talking about we just spent the whole episode talking about this from a legal perspective, talking about from a hockey perspective mm-hmm. and now focusing on what this means for the hockey team, you know, losing heart sucks from a goaltending perspective, but they did not resign him. He's still an RFA at the end of the season. Um, and this was an interesting one. You know, there was just a huge argument in the brother puck group chat about this earlier this evening, but you know, Hart's gone. Felix Sonstrom is a pending UFA and there ain't no way this guy's resigning at this point. So right now your goaltending tandem for the rest of this season next is going to be Sam Erson and Cal Peterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cal Pete now, Peterson has one year left at $5 million. It costs like 3.8 to bury him in the AHL. It would be financially smarter to buy him out. His capital would be $1 million next year if you bought him out, which means they could buy him out and sign it back up for less than it would cost to put him in the AHL. So mm-hmm. I assume yeah. that's what they end up doing. Um, but, you know, you went from stability net. Obviously, Kolosov is coming. He's not, not going to play in the NHL next year. This guy's stuck in the AHL. Bjarnason is, com- is, is still in juniors for at least another year. And the other Russian guy, Igor, whatever the crisis name was, who knows, right? So this is all, they they're, they got prospects for the future, but now the immediate future of what they're doing in net here becomes into question. And I wonder how they attempt to do this here um, and find someone for Sam Erson to play with for this season and next. I guess next season is probably the bigger one. They can they can make it work between mm-hmm. Peterson and Sonstrom in the short term here. But right. who's their goaltending tandem going into 24-25? Yeah, they, uh, you know, and I guess it also, like, let's say it did seem like the, I mean, I think the Flyers kind of knew, I'm not sure how much they knew, but I think they knew that this was a possibility with Carter I mean, Carter they were trying Hart. to trade him last summer. Yeah. It was apparently shot down because teams didn't want to take the risk on this guy being involved in the Canada investigation. Yep, yep, yep. Um, even if they hadn't, like, you know, you think about, okay, let's say this wasn't even an issue, and let's say the flyers were like, look, you know, we're rebuilding. How do we want to do that? What sort of assets do we have to flip here to get, you know, from a position of strength versus position of weaknesses? How can we fill those cards? You know, okay. Goaltending, we're going to roll with Urson. What can Hart actually get you as a pending RFA either at the deadline or in the summertime? Probably not much. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think not something, as much as I mean, it's should. not zero. Yeah. yeah. It's not zero, but you're not getting like, a top five pick in the draft, right? It's maybe, I don't know. What do you think? Maybe like a late first at best, perhaps for him, assuming, you know, this whole thing hadn't happened. I mean, if you got a team like Toronto or Edmonton, that's fucking desperate for a goaltender to come mm-hmm. in. I guess Edmonton a little less now because Stuart Skinner's playing out of his mind. But, yep. you know, if Toronto was desperate and they don't want to ride Sam Snob into the playoffs, you know, I wonder what they would pay up for someone like Hart, even if it's just for his rights for the end of this year. I guess he's still in our face, so it doesn't matter. But, yeah, you could probably squeeze a first-round pick for him out of a desperate enough team that mm-hmm. wanted a high-end goaltender. Mm-hmm. So it's some hit. Yeah, you're making you're you are taking from a hockey from a hockey standpoint. You are just you know he's not on your team anymore. You, you just are lose taking your some starting hit. goaltender. Yeah, just even lose if the it. Flyers would have 
retained his rights and kept him for eight more years. Yeah. You lost your number one guy, your 24-year-old number one guy. Yeah, that's a it's a big loss on ice and also from a trade a trade standpoint, I think. It's a hit. So I Another just pop, <laughs> I just popped up the I would imagine that uh signing a goaltender. I can't listen. One of the things that drives me absolutely nuts about Flyers Twitter and it was driving me crazy and then after the Carter Hart news comes out, you kind of pine and wish that the skullduggery of uh, the mind-numbing <laughs> boredom of these idiotic uh, debates back and forth. You kind of miss that. This thing about <laughs> Sam Erson's the number one goalie. Yes, right now he is at a necessity. But, you know, is he truly a number one goalie? I think the jury's way still out. We there. don't know. Yeah. We don't know. He, he hasn't played that. He, he's played a lot of games in the last two and a half weeks granted and he's played very well and overall he was he's had a well. very he's good fucking season. shellacked his last few games here okay and that's my point is this is a process and flyer fans in particular are quick to point out oh bobby brink's gonna be in the calder race really <laughs> he's in the ahl now yeah so the first two weeks of the season don't make a season and the last couple weeks here with urson he's played really well that doesn't mean he's starting goalie, you know, caliber. He's going to be the bell cow for 55, 60 games in a season. That's not going to happen. They're still going to need somebody competent to be there in tandem with them. And looking at the list of free agents here, Matt Murray, Carter Hart, Ilya Samsonov, Chris Dreger, Marc-Andre Fleury, Jeremy Swayman's going to get re-signed. So cross him out. Capo Kakinen. Kevin Lankinen, Pavel Fransuz, Eric Comrie, Casey DeSmith, Laurent Brossois, Alex Nijelkovic, James Reimer, Auntie Ranta, Phoenix Copley, Anthony Stolarz, Cam Talbot, Scott Wedgwood, Ivan Fedotov, Matt Sogard, Mark yeah. Jones. I, uh, I'm writing my 24-25 opening night lineup prediction piece that I had started at the beginning of uh, January and just never got around to posting it. And thank God I did, because I had Cutter Gochi and Carter Hart in that lineup, so I had to redo the whole fucking thing today. But uh, <laughs> looking up in the back of goaltending, and I'm like, fuck me, this back of goaltending stuff is rough. My guess right now, Alex Nijelkovic or uh, Anthony Stollers would be my pick of the litter. Nice. Uh, I'm fine with either of those. Yeah. I mean, that that's a... Uh, the, pro- the problem with that group, a lot of those guys that are kind of decent are fucking old. Yeah, that's a very old group of free agents there. So Djelkovic and Solars are, you know, slightly on the younger side. Compared to Lankinen, I think, was the third one that I had as of interest. But yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting group now. And I, get, I would take all three of them over Cal Peterson. i take, quite frankly, pretty much anybody on that list over Cal Peterson. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to throw Urson into the deep end here and... He's getting his wheels beat off by Detroit tonight. Yeah, he has not had a game with a plus uh, with a save percentage over 900 since January 18. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, he did yeah, have a hot stretch shellacked. there. Did have a hot stretch there in December, but I mean, he started the season rough. He's in this rough patch now, and you know, as much as I think people are really starting to turn on Carter Hart, I think they were turning on him from an honest play for much of the last year, quite frankly, even before this whole news broke. But they were like, oh, Hart's not number one anymore. Arson's the guy. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if you want to give up on Carter Hart so quickly here. Like, you still kind of need him. And now that he's gone, you know, it's Arson's net. And especially right now and probably next season, 
There ain't nobody that's going to come close to touching his net. So ready mm-hmm. or fucking not, he's going to be playing a lot of hockey over the last, you know, the next next little while here. And is yeah. that good for him or bad for him? Because this, the, if he's not ready to take that mantle, you could seriously get killed every night. It's not going to help. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're losing three nothing to the Red Wings right now, uh-huh. so it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you even want him to be, you know, pitching shutouts every other night at this point? Because I think that when you have a goalie, you know, first of all, he's not going to do that forever. And even assuming, let's just say hypothetically, he automatically turns into, you know, a top five goalie right now. Is that really what this team needs at this point in their rebuild or the development? And I, I mean, I would argue, no, they need they need, you know, some players in that that they may be able to rely on a couple of years from now that get the requisite experience, take their lumps, go through the good and the bad and develop into the prime of their career a couple of years from now, not right now. Um, you know, if you all of a sudden bring in the next Henrik Lundqvist on this team for the next you know two seasons, that doesn't help you win a Stanley Cup. It does nothing. All it does is mask other deficiencies and prevent your team, I think, from being where it should be. And for management analyzing the team in in a truthful manner. Uh, so, you know, I'm fine with the goalies taking their lumps now. I'm fine with them getting shellacked to some extent. I don't want them to get totally busted out. You know, I don't want his confidence shaken and destroyed because of bad implementation by the coaching staff, which is certainly a concern with any goalie that comes to the Flyers. And, you know, I don't I don't trust Tortorella on that either. But, um, you know, I don't think it would be that bad for the team long term if they, you know, you give Cal Peterson half the starts for the rest of the season, if not more, and they and they lose every single one of them. So be it. Yeah, it's a fine line you got to walk because you have to adjust Urson to the NHL and let him get used to it. But if he's getting fucking, you know, allowed six goals every night, you know, you're probably doing more harm than good if he's every guy. And, you know, you look at the way they were using Carter Hart for the last, you know, five years where he's playing pretty much every single night until he gets hurt. You know, it was really over the last, what, four, six weeks that they were using the every other game system here with these two, which maybe wasn't a fucking coincidence anymore. Um, you know, they were getting Urson a little ready for what was to come. But, yeah, I uh, I don't know what the hell you do here. But, you know, the Flyers are still in a playoff spot as this recording. But this will be their, what, their fourth straight loss here against Detroit. This episode will go after Boston. I assume they're not beating them. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know. But... Peterson fucking sucks. That's that's about a guaranteed loss. And Sonstrom, you know, hit or miss. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what they do here with Urson, but they got to handle it with somewhat care. And as Mike alluded to here, I don't know if I necessarily trust them to steer away from Urson now because they don't really have a choice. You know, if there's a back to back, I assume you're going to get a backup goaltender in there. But otherwise, I don't know if they're going to split these minutes up uh, mm-hmm. too much anymore. I think Urson's going to get, uh, uh, you know, plateful ready or not. Oh, yeah, they're going to have some bullshit. They'll, like, he'll make it like his 18th start in a row. <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, crap. Well, the schedule just worked out that way. Oh, well. It's like, yeah. no, 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 no. you you got to be way more on point than just saying, oh, well, the schedule allowed him to play 18 straight. No, that's not how this should be working. <laughs> what do the Flyers, a car wreck, and my underwear have in common? Definitely some skid marks happening. They're going skidding right now, boys. <laughs> Just to give you an idea, there's two. There's, there's, Adult I had to have some levity for crying out. We just we just spent an hour and ten minutes talking about the drudgery of a court case. But um, 
we had we I had to we had to get going. So, um, listen, Ursins let in three goals and Detroit's got fifteen shots. That's not good. Um, now, everybody has can have a bad game. It's not a big deal. I'm not concerned. Where it is a concern is if this guy's playing three games out of every four from like now on. <laughs> yeah. And this guy gets hurt. Then what do you do? Sonstrom and Peterson, baby. Woohoo! What a wow. tandem. You're going to try and yeah. secure a playoff spot with those two in your net? Like, and, and that's what I mean. Everybody can sit here and, you know, and I'm talking before the Hockey Canada stuff, complain that Carter Hart lets in that one bad goal. Yeah, okay, but he only let in two and the Flyers won, you know, 4-2. Yeah. Does it really matter? Um, the fact is, is now that he's gone, you know, Urson is a good goalie, and certainly in the future, I think he's going to be a pretty good goalie. Certainly, it's what he looks like. Is he ready for prime time right now? I would say no. The jury is anybody calling for that and saying he was going to win the number one job anyways from Carter Hart. I think it's foolishness, and I think it's just pumping tires because it fits the narrative of everything's going great, and every young player is doing really, really well, and this front office knows everything and listen the front office has done a pretty good job all in all but not everything's perfect and anybody telling you that everything's perfect in Flyerland is a fool and a liar and there's a lot um, oh god have you ever just scrolled through twitter and the verbal masturbation that people have on this team anymore it's just it's it's insanity i just yeah, can't insufferable the, yeah it, it is it's fucking flat out insufferable mm-hmm. that we just, some people are just living in this fantasy land where they you would think this team just won five straight stanley cups with the way they talk about them and like you know they're doing some things right we, that's undoubtedly true but on the whole there's still a lot of short and long-term questions surrounding this team and i just my biggest fear i've talked about this for weeks now has been you know a a 17-18 season happening, a 19-20 season happening, where you kind of exceed expectations of a relatively meh group, you go into the summer, don't do anything, and then you just end up being shit again. You know, like yep. you can celebrate them working hard, but if there's anything we've learned from some of these games, especially the Colorado and Tampa games, like, those teams have star power, and that was all the fucking difference. You know, you mm-hmm. can you can work hard, work ethic, and all this shit, that's great and all, but at the end of the day, you're still missing a lot. And now, oh, yeah. without Carter Hart here, now there's another question. You know, we can hype up Kolosov all we want and whatever numbers he's putting up in the KHL, but, you know, you look at Sonstrom and Karel Ustaminko. Those were two guys that were supposed to be great when they came over. And they just, especially Ustaminko, never adapted to North America. You know, you got lucky with Sam Arson being this guy. But, you know, always be drafting goaltenders is the way to think, and that's great. But, you know, being Kolosov is going to be the next up in line prospect-wise to make the jump here. You know, you just can't say, well, he did this in, you know, in Russia. You know, he's going to do it here. You know, there's always the, the struggle with uh, Fedotov in the first place. Like, well, he did great in, you know, Russia and all these things. But, you were, you know, was he going to be an NHL backup right out of the gate? Was he going to play this time? You know, you, you got to figure this out. And they got to address this position with some level of, of decency. You just can't say, oh, we're going to ride with Cal Peterson next season. You know, Urson Peterson's going to be a fucking disaster. 
You know, you need you need some kind of legitimacy. And it went from a problem where you had Hart and Urson who were 24 and 25 under team control, locked up for years and years. Your future was set in net. You didn't have to worry about it. Now all of a sudden it, it becomes a gigantic question yet again for the Flyers. The, the, other, the other thing that makes me laugh is the fools that were tweeting out, Carter Hart's gone because they drafted Carson Bjarnason oh, and some guy from Russia, Zavrodjan yeah. or whatever. Because of that, yes. Yeah. That, those, that would be yeah, the reason. Those, those people are now coming out going, see, now they're geniuses for drafting all those goalies because they knew this was going to happen. Sure. Sure they did. You you go into every season thinking, you know, what happens if, you know, a player gets, you know, potentially charged with a criminal offense? What's that going to do to our depth? Maybe we should draft a bunch of guys at this position who maybe three years down the line will be NHL ready. That'll solve our problem in the immediate short term and long term. No. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Way wrong. Like, you guys are dopes, whoever's thinking that. They, they were drafting these players because they obviously thought that there's a future for these guys, and they've shown a pattern of continually, every year they draft a goaltender. Last year, they happened to draft two. Maybe they couldn't decide between two of them, and they just figured, you know what, let's take both and like just hedge our bets. And don't forget the Ivan Fedotov situation. So they lost the goalie and they knew that he wasn't coming back. And there's still damn fools that are saying, well, what about Ivan Fedotov? Maybe he can come over. No, he can't. <laughs> like these people like, but Danny will find a way he'll like, he'll like send over seal team six and bring over Ivan Fedotov. No, he's not. It's not happening. Like guys, like again, like I know you're excited. You love Danny Breer. I like Breer too. I'm just not 100% on side with everything he's done. I'm on a wait-and-see kind of approach. And I want to see what this guy does at the trade deadline and at the offseason before I firmly plant my foot in, okay, I like what this guy's doing. I can trust this guy. I'm sorry, I can't trust this organization after the last fucking decade. I just don't. I don't. I'm still a fan. I still want them to win. I'm not just going to put my unbridled faith into this group right now. I'm just not going to do it. Well, it's okay guys, because to, you know, to put this back in a positive note, (laughs) there's uh, there's only three players in the NHL that have 33 five on five points. Nathan McKinnon, Nikita Kucherov and Joel Farabee. Problem solved. Yeah, there you go. That tweet is from Big Head Hockey. You know, you might have a big head, Big Head Hockey, but you've got no fucking brains inside that head because it's an you're comparing head. Yeah. three players that have fucking nothing to do with one another, two of them of which are in a completely different stratosphere from Joel Farabee. As good a year as Joel Farabee's had, let's pump the brakes on comparing Joel Farabee to Nathan McKinnon and Nikita Kucherov. Good grief. Give that big head a shake. It's funny, you know, it's a fun little stat at face value until you realize both McKinnon and Kucherov have fucking 80 points already this season. <laughs> yeah, there's that. That's have, just a small... They have double the total points that Farabee has. Farabee's at 40, Kucherov is at uh, 80, McKinnon's at 82. Oh, that's so negative, Dan. Jeez. Yeah, yeah but the same player, five on five, so like, whatever. Yeah, same, yeah fuck, same thing. Absolutely same thing. God. Yeah. 
Because, like, every GM in the NHL would pick Joel Fairby over those two fucking schmoes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Flyers Twitter would, almost exclusively, but anybody else with, you know, three brain cells rubbed together would not. <laughs> you know, I had, I put out, I, I I haven't written anything for the website this week because I don't feel like it's appropriate to write anything for the website this week with this old Carter Hart thing. I don't even know what to say. So I'm just recycling some old stuff to, to get some views in for the week. And I, uh put out the Keeper Trade Travis Konechny piece, um, which is the series I've been doing for all of their, you know, trade deadline uh, potential moves, and boy, people got fucking angry at me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that entire thread's wild. And I quoted the tweet uh, saying something along the lines of, like, oh, these people are homers, you know, like, they're reading comprehension skills or nothing. I had somebody call into the Brotherly Pod phone line and leave a fucking voicemail Left two voicemails. The first one, let me read it here. It said, uh, Dan the Flyer fan, just want to let you know that I think you should probably never go on Twitter again. Your takes are hot garbage. We're not homers. You're just terrible. See you. And I fucking Beautiful. laughed until I cried when I saw so, that. So well articulated. I screenshotted it and put it on Twitter. And then the same guy called back and left just this complete rambling fucking nonsense on there. And I'm just like, these people are out of fucking control. These Travis Konechny stands are a breed of their own, man. This is the most delusional fucking fan base I've ever seen. God, I didn't even no, I never mentioned anybody. I recorded my own tweet saying that. Never used anybody's name, never insulted anybody. This guy, of his own fruition, said I'm not a homer and decided to hunt down the Brotherly Pod text line and call in. I was like, first all right. of all, that makes you a homer. And second of all, like, Jesus Christ, these people are nuts. Anybody ah. who loves a player that much. And, and by the way, the stuff with Carter Hart, I think, is should wait, open up people's eyes to this. You can be a fan of a player. They're not gods. They're not somebody that you would run through a fucking wall for. They don't care about you. Yeah. Okay? They're professional athletes. They have lives. They've got people in their life, their family, friends, whatever. You're not one of them. You you're never going a, to be one. You are. You're never going to be one. You're never going to be invited for pancakes on Sunday morning at the Konechny household. Okay, it's not going to happen. You're not going to go out for a stroll with the Konechny dog and taking the kid. I don't know what the kid's name is in a stroller ride Rhett, around around the you know old Center City. That's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. <laughs> at the same time, it's like I I don't understand these people who idolize and it's like you can't move on with this team without this player you know what carter hart i liked him and you know what fuck i got one of his jerseys but that that band-aid's ripped off and i mean i can't look at this guy the same way innocent or guilty like i geez man like you can't you cannot put people on a pedestal like that, whether it's politics, whether it's sports. It just it doesn't make any sense. These people with their takes on, you know, especially players like Travis Konechny and Morgan Frost. Can I, yeah, most especially these guys that are just random fucking dudes. If they didn't play for the Flyers, you wouldn't even know who they were. I have people like Debrincat is a perfect example. I've gone to bat for two consecutive summers now saying that he should be a flyer. Even if you want to assume that he and Konechny are virtually the same player. You know, Debrincat has the better offensive stats. Konechny is probably the better overall player. Even if they're on even ground, 
if you hate the idea of bringing the Brinket, but you're sucking Konechny's cock, like, you don't make any sense. Like, if Konechny was not a flyer, you wouldn't even think about it. You wouldn't want him to be here. It just drives me nuts. Konechny has not had a point-per-game season yet. He had one fucking year of 60 points. That's it. He's probably going to hit it again this year. But, like, who? how can you idolize this guy? How is this guy fucking bulletproof to you? We have a whole goddamn generation of people that hate Claude Drew that thought he was nothing. He never won a award. He never won an award. He never led this team into a cup. He was a bad leader. And I'm like, fuck you. And he was point per game guy through a vast majority of his career. He's a thousand point player. Travis fucking Konechny was a 30 point guy for most of his career. Fuck off. There's nothing to like here. He's fine. He's come along nicely under Tortorella. What the fucking do? Who cares? Who could possibly think this guy's the missing fucking link to this team? And I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's fine. He, he, that's it, though. Can, he's fine. No, nobody should love a player that oh much. Dude, God. think about it. Dude, people were ready to fucking burn Travis Sanheim's image in effigy. They wanted that guy gone in the worst way. Two months of the season. Oh, I'm so gl- I'm so glad. It was less. It was a weekend of the season. I'm so mm-hmm. glad that we, that we didn't take that. Yep deal from st louis oh he's so good yes he's having a better year but fuck everything's having a better year than what the fucking they were last year last year they were atrocious there's only one way to go from there and that's up this topic people with their expectations like i get it some people are fans some people are homers and i like i understand those are people that try and weed out on twitter but like fuck you if you cannot objectively say that the Flyers should be considering trading Travis County, they should. The guy's going to be 27 in a couple weeks. At the end of next season when his contract's up, he's going to be 28. If the Flyers are still stuck in the mud, the guy's going to be 28. He's going to sign for some fucking 8 by 8 you know, contract mm-hmm. at the bare minimum. Then you have him well into his 30s. He's going to be fucking useless for a vast majority of that time, and he's just going to be dead money on the books. If you were smart, you have a player at the peak of their fucking value here, you should be considered trading him. I don't think yeah. they would. If they intend on winning in the next two or three years, if you can put a cup-caliber team together and win, fine, keep them. If you are not intent on winning a game between now and then or winning a cup between now and then, putting together, if you're not going to get a Zegris, then you got to consider trading the guy. I'm not saying you should, but, like, you got to consider it. And that was the entire point of that article, was weighing that and coming to the conclusion of, like, if you're going to win, keep him. If you're not going to try and win, then you got to fucking sell him. And it was the same thing we think about with Giroux. Can you imagine if they sold Giroux in 2016? You know, like, if they sold him when his value was at his peak rather than him being 34 years old. You know, it's just like, you got to, it's, it's it's asset management at its absolute core mm-hmm. in the sports world. And that That's just what you got to yep. assume with Konechny right now. And I don't know. It's just this. this I can't take Travis Connecting fans. They and Morgan Frost, the two people that are just fucking absolutely insane. There's not a goddamn ounce of objective criticism amongst either one of them. I hate their fans way more than I hate those players. Yeah, the players <laughs> way are just more dumb. The fucking fans are just the worst. <laughs> I'd rather take hockey advice from fucking the hill people in southern Kentucky <laughs> than fucking these idiots on Twitter. Jesus. This topic gets me heated every single time. Just like personifies everything that I hate with both this team and this fan base the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure if, if TK is, is going to be effective on this team when management thinks that they are ready to compete. You know, he's 26 right now. 30 when Mishkov shows up. 
he'll, yep, he'll be 30 at that point. I mean, is that really the timeline that you're on right now? I, I don't think, I don't it's think the it same is. mistake they made with Sean Couturier. Here's a guy who had a really good season, just won a sulky two years before, but he's like 29, and you're going to sign him to a lifetime extension. Like, we know the Katuri thing is going to fuck him up sooner or later, because it was a bad decision, because they don't want to make the hard call and trade him, even though it was the right thing to do for the betterment of the long term of the team. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and with, maybe with TK, you know, I think the Flyers, you know, we're talking about getting creative and bringing in a 1C who's in his early 20s to fit the timeline here. And, you know, a guy like Travis Konechny is a perfect trade candidate for that. And it may not be a one-for-one type of thing. You probably will need a third team involved where, you know, maybe TK goes to the third team and a third team sends something to, you know, the Ducks and Zegras comes here, you know, some sort of permutation of that. But a guy like Travis Konechny has value. And I think that that's the kind of player that you're probably looking at here. You know, is it a is it perfect to get rid of him? No. I mean, does the guy have value to the Flyers? Absolutely. But he's going to bring a lot of value to whatever team he goes to over the next, you know, the uh, second half of this season and next year. And, you know, they will have is he going to be a UFA? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Be a UFA. But, you know, you're getting something out of it there. And, you know, maybe you resign him. Who knows? But that's the style of trade and style of player that is probably going to be at stake here for the Flyers to make that move and and to, and to be creative with their players. And you can't. And like you said, Dan, you know, you can't hold on to these guys. You can't just grind them into dust and just, OK, well, we'll trade him on the last year of his deal when he's 34 years old. Like that doesn't do you any good. You have to be more assertive than that with your players. Not everything is going to be served to you in a silver platter when it comes time to win. You're going to have to make some tough decisions and take some risks. And I think, you know, trading a guy like TK in order to get that one C, I think that's a, you know, that's a perfect formula there, or is at least one piece of the formula. It was the one, you know, we used to talk about this a lot <clears throat> on Flyers AD, Anthony and I, back in the later stages of the Jeroen Voracek era of like, hey, you've got these two guys that are now getting closer to 30, and in some cases past 30, and the rest of your team that you're supposed to build around, the pro and the connectings are all in their early 20s, and it's like, this timeline's not going to fucking add mm-hmm. up here. If you're going to work around Mishkov's arrival and build a team with 20, 21-year-olds two or three years from now, and Konechny's 30 and not going to get any better when he passes 30, you know, it's like, the timeline's mm-hmm. not going to work. You're not going to be able to win with this guy. He's going to be a fucking anchor on this team when the time comes, and who's going to be making a fuck ton of money i'm sure you know it's like mm-hmm. if you're gonna if you are intent on winning with connecting if they're going to actively make an attempt to be a cup caliber team in the next two or three years fine but if that's not the case if we're gonna sit here and be the new blue jackets and they're just gonna resign them for the fuck of it you know it's not a smart move man it's not it's gonna be an unpopular one trading next probably the most fucking unpopular thing they can do right now but if it's the betterment of the franchise in the long term you gotta fucking consider it. You have to. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't mm-hmm. be a hot take. <laughs> yeah, and people are, you know, people can get their mind around that fact, Dan. It, uh, they're like, oh, well, well, Travis Konechny can help us in the future. He's going to be a contributor for when we're ready to win. Well, well of course, he, he probably would be. That's not the point here, is you need to be thinking and forecasting more moves ahead. Like, you can't just say, oh, well, he could potentially contribute later, therefore he's off limits. Like, that's not how how team building works, especially when the Flyers do not want to draft high in in any of the drafts. Especially under that circumstance, you're going to need to make some tough decisions on some of your better players now to, you know, potentially get on that timeline and fill a need 
that is more important than a right winger. Um, especially when you have a guy like a Mitchkoff coming. So, yeah, I think I'm hoping that the team has the understanding that you know, Briere and Jones are, are are thinking in this style. I think there's a chance that they are. Um, there's a chance they are not. <laughs> but, um, you know, we'll see. I think, you know, like we've said a while here, we're going to see a lot. We're going to they're they're going to reveal themselves um, and their strategy come trade deadline and this offseason. And if we see stagnation, as we've seen from prior regimes that Danny Breer was a key part of, then it's going to be highly frustrating. And we will you know, kind of know what they're thinking and know that we can expect not much if we see a lot of movement and, you know, aggressive and creativity, then, OK, you know what? There's some optimism moving forward with this front office then. I just don't even get how people are, like, fans of, like, individual players anymore. I realize I'm so fucking cold to this team. You've spent years of beating me down. We've just been burned so many times. Yeah, Yeah. I'm so fucking burnt out as a fan. And, you know, trying to cover this objectively as a, you know, whatever the fuck we're doing on this podcast. You know, I try and just, I find it so difficult to like individual players, especially when they're just as fucking mediocre as Travis Konechny and Morgan (laughs) Frost. Like, those are the guys you're going to get on the fucking cross for. Why? Why? You know, why are we, you know, Joel Faraby, even strength points with McKinnon and fucking, it's, it's insane. It's an insane fucking stat. Why are we comparing those? Fuck, I just don't understand. If Mitch Cobb shows up and is a 100-point player, like, yeah, you know, I'll be a fan of him. Because he, there's something there. He stands above the crowd. He's worth it. These guys, like Travis Connect, he just, there's nothing special about him. You can replace him with any other fucking top right wing in the league, and they're all going to be better than he is. I just don't understand how people can even be fans of this shit. Like, I get it. There are certain fans out there. There are people in, that are not in the, the you know, journalism game, the creator game, whatever it is we're doing here, you know? But, like, fuck me. It just, I hate this topic. This one drives me absolutely nuts when I deal with these connecting stands. They're just another level of crazy. <sighs> Have you seen how Danny Breer looks lately? This guy looks like he's 100 years old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My yeah. God, slept he, in years. Like, he is not like, I mean, people. I mean, we were joking about this back in the introductory press conference when he was hired. He looked like a the fucking crypt keeper then. It's like this guy is a hundred and ten years, like forty or something. Yeah, I can't even believe how much he's aged from his playing. He game. hasn't had sun in like a decade. <laughs> yeah, he like has pale. zero yeah. pigment in his skin. God, <laughs> it's insane. It's like holy shit, this guy just looks unwell right now. He does, yes. He looks completely so what leading unwell. the Flyers will do to you, I guess. Yeah, he's, he has to sit on stuff. I mean, my God, he's had to sit on the Gautier thing and, and like, the hard thing I'm sure he knew about. But Kudos to them, by the way, the front office, that they got in front of the Gautier thing when it happened. They got in front of the Hart thing when it happened. Like, if, Can you imagine Chuck Fletcher being in charge when this shit would have gone no, down? he'd be incapable. Oh, oh man. Incapable. Like, at least, like, in that sense, you know, that'll, that'll be my positive take for the night. It's like, well done, mm-hmm. Danny Breer. And, and, you know, the rest of the front office, especially the Gochi thing, kind of getting in front of that when it happened. And, you know, if that was Fletcher and Dave Scott and Val Camillo, they, they would never have addressed Carter Gochi trade publicly. They would have never, you know, mentioned this Carter Hart thing. But there would have been a blanketed press release, and that's the end of that. <laughs> so they were so inept, they probably would have just bled it out. They like they wouldn't been able to it have actually have traded, traded Gochi. would just lost his rights. Like, <laughs> he's literally that incapable of of performing that function of the job that they just would have been stagnated and like said, Oh, we'll just see if he changes his mind, just wait it out. And then 
it gets public and they're like, all right, well, go back to college for your junior year. Go back to college for your senior year. Oh, shit, we lost your rights. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, like that's what happened. Has he got a job yet anywhere? No, I haven't heard Chuck anything. Fletcher. Yeah, fucking shoveling my fucking driveway, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. I fucking can't stand Cliff. Fucking, I say Cliff, Chuck Fletcher. Chuckles, Good, yeah. <laughs> Chuck Fletcher wouldn't even shovel his old man's fucking driveway. I'm still sure. unemployed. He was president yep, of hockey still, uh, Philadelphia Flyers for three years, seven months, and twenty six days. And a freaking multimillionaire. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eating shrimp rings and fucking living the life. God. Yeah. God. <laughs> uh, I, well, that's not really fair, Dan. I I'll show you my call log. I called every person and then he held his phone up like while he was saying that 16 (laughs) calls man yeah yeah (laughs) great like look oh yeah i'll show you the call log look one two three it adds up to 17 (laughs) i may idiot i may not have faith in this new front office just yet but sweet christ i don't want this guy back god oh yeah chuck fletcher the good old days he should be the GM at the alumni game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> alumni front office members just sit up there. <laughs> Lou Nolan doing the announcing. Mm. <laughs> oh, Bring back really Hexy. Hexy sits up in the box. <laughs> yeah, why is he Ron yeah, why is Hexel not playing? The game? Uh, he, he'll never be invited to fucking do anything with the organization again. Oh, God. Maybe maybe in like another decade once there's been even more turnover. Once but the heat dies down. Eh. I'd boo the guy. I don't even give I a would. fuck. Eh. I would I would <laughs> boo him to death. <laughs> and then between the boards, Steve Coates. Yeah. Stay oh, classy, Philly. Jesus. God, he's out of the picture, right? He retired. Yeah, I think retired. so. Yeah. yeah, God, I I I couldn't stand him. I know that people have a soft spot for him, and he was kind of fun in the 90s, but it's yeah. not the 90s anymore. He went like, past his best before date. Oh, God. He annoyed the living fuck out of me. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. I guess I should go. I don't want to go, but uh, I got to fucking go to bed. Yep. Yeah. Another day, another dollar tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this was a lot of fun, guys. I know the subject matter was crazy, but I think we got some great content as always. So this was uh, this another great time. Yep, for sure. So cool. Yeah. All right, Dan, Manny, you guys have a great Friday and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yep. You too. Night, guys. Good night. All righty. See ya. Bye bye.